stop. Daily thoughts. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. All right, so uh, the, the Yankees are here by just being whistleblown. I think Clint's uh, just throwing anyone and everyone under the bus in a little bit. Yeah, the Yankees are about to have an NHL-level problem of medical malpractice. Oh, God. Is this... This, this, is, this is on par with, like, Tyrod getting punctured in the lung. Or... <laughs> just taking the breath out of his body. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Clint has something he wants to say regarding his injuries, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and find out what happens. Yeah, he was being very cryptic about it. Like, we were, we were going to record today regardless, but then uh, we got, like, we saw the tweet literally, like, right before we hopped on. Uh, I saw it from Sweeney Murdy who retweeted it. But, yeah, uh, Clint tweeted something out, something cryptic. Uh, you know, like opening up, being honest about something, da, 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 like just you know, being very shady about it. And then someone who said, I hope you have a moment to address the MLBPA and league officials about the importance of addressing head injuries. Stay strong, hope you have some uh success no matter the future. Some like a fan retweeted at that or a fan tweeted at them. And then quote tweeted, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk about the situation publicly and probably plan to do so soon. My issues have been very personal to me and something I want to handle privately, but there's been a lot of interactive things to report about my injury that I'll clear up. I mean, like, I don't think you need to have, like, I don't think you needed the tweet, honestly, to understand that, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, I think it was presumed that there was something going on with Clint that nobody really understood. Yeah, correct. I mean, it changed day to day, right? They're like, oh, he's having vertigo issues or he's having other issues with his sight, and then that just got thrown out. Yeah, the beat reporters were getting, like, not harassed, but they get asked on Twitter, you know, decent amount. They're just like, what's up with Clint? Like, you know, like is there any update on his status or anything like that? And like, they would say like, it really hasn't changed. They won't give us any info. Boone didn't talk about it much and neither did Cashman. Um, first people thought it was, I forgot what the original issue was. Let me double check to see like what exactly his like first injury was. But then like, was it's it just in- the concussions? I don't know if it was, because like, obviously, well, that was like his first like real injury just in general. Right. But then like, yeah. I didn't, I get like after that it was like okay, hang on, let me see. What was it? Clint Frazier won't return in 2021. Um radio, radio. Radio, radio. Um, I'm looking at MLB trade rumors. Uh what was his initial injury? Tell me that. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Um what was it? This is great radio. Great, great radio. radio. Radio looking at the stats over here. The video killed the radio. Um, he went on the IL. What happened? What happened to Clint Frazier? No, I'm just murder like, mystery podcast. Okay, open. Okay, they really didn't like give like what happened to him. Like, I can't yeah, I find think that's it. what he's gonna clarify though. Yeah, because like he went on the IL. They didn't really say like what. I guess we had thought like it was something like muscle related or something like that. Like that was kind of the assumption. Like, oh, I I don't. 100% remember because it was so long. It was, it was so long ago, but he'd been out since July 1st. Okay. And then, like, then they, there was a report that he had vertigo. Yeah. And the Yankees, like, downplayed that. They were like, it's not that. He's just experienced dizziness. He's getting fitted for contacts. Has Boone's he tried like, weed? <laughs> Boone's, like, literal, uh, like, follow up was just like, they were like, it's not vertigo. He's getting tested for contact. He's getting fitted for contacts and like having vision tests. And then it was like, okay. getting that Rick Vaughn surgery. Yeah, we were like, okay, concerning. And then 
nothing else happened. Yeah, he'd been on the injured list with blurred vision, dizziness, and other vertical-like symptoms that remain unsolved. Troubling on their own, but particularly alarming for... Okay, yeah, like, he had concussion issues in the past, obviously pretty bad. Those are, like, you know, they're career-ending and life-altering in different ways, obviously. I had a roommate uh, back in college who had multiple concussions. Um, but so enough about a, yourself. Enough about me. Um, no, but yeah, I... Uh, I get it. Those are like legit injuries. So, but yeah, the Yankees aren't fourth. I mean, they're rarely forthcoming nowadays, really, with any injuries. But he uh, he suffered those injuries, and then like nothing else happened afterwards. They were just like, yeah, he uh, had gotten concussed a lot, and that's basically into that. And like, he might have vertigo. He doesn't have vertigo. We're gonna do vision tests, and like, that's it. So, very cryptic tweet. He wants to straighten some issues out, I guess. Um, this I mean, it all makes we, sense going into what we presume is going to be an offseason where he's looking for a new team. Yeah, this just feels like everything just runs course. Like, this isn't even just, like, crap on him or anything like that. Like, the Yankees just mishandled this massively. Um, obviously, we, you know, all had expectations for him. He was, like, a top five overall pick, got him in the Miller deal, high hopes for him like the outfield was projected to just be like him judge and like probably hicks or something like that like for the foreseeable future and then the john carlo trade happened so i was like okay where do you pencil him in john carlo ended up playing a lot more dh then clint got some opportunities with injuries you couldn't say healthy himself obviously then last year made most of his playing time uh in the pandemic shortened season and like hit very well obviously raked he got hand of the left field job this year and then just couldn't produce, which was obviously concerning. He was just looking at pitches down the middle for a decent chunk of the games that he was healthy for. And now he's basically had options. Like he's just not going to play left field anymore. They made the trade for Gallo, um, who seems like at least will be the left fielder next year. Um, we'll have our own thoughts and opinions on that, obviously. But like that, that, that looks like the plan. Like it, he's no longer in the picture. Where do you yeah. play him? If Cashman is sticking around, which he is, and everyone needs to just accept that at this point, and yes. Gallo <laughs> is not traded for something of consequence, then Gallo is going to be the starting guy because he, by default of being traded for, is now Cashman's guy. So that's how that works. The only way I could see playing time for him is if they decide to trade Voight, but like don't go after our first baseman, and they're just like, we'll stick gallo at first which i've seen like a couple people throw around but that just seems like a waste of gallo's physical abilities because yeah. he's a really good he's a gold glove outfielder pop-up issues notwithstanding this past year but he's like yeah, a, that was just random yeah he's a good field like say whatever you want about his inning of course and like whether or not you want him on the team next year but he is a good fielder so if you do have him in the outfield you know you at least have gold glove defense so downgrading there to put clint there who hasn't really done anything seems weird Stop playing the yo-yo game with him. They handed him the left field job. He obviously tried. He couldn't really. He couldn't hit. Something happened, and it's just a mess. They should have traded him when his value was so high. He had been floated in that Garrett Cole package that haunts me to this very day uh, with the Pirates, and they refused to give up him or Miggy in a deal together. Both of them have a value of nothing, and now Cole's tied up with us. So good work by the cash man. Yeah, he gets his guy eventually, Dave. That's what matters. That non-trade pissing me off so much. Anyways, um, this is an episode basically about Cashman for the most part, though. Um, or just the team in general, really. But this this is an episode we're going to talk about. Uh, a certain quote that Boone had towards the end of the season. Lindsay yeah, you want to yeah. read that off? Yeah, I'll read it off. All right, Boone, uh, I think it was the last pressure that he, presser that he gave. Um, 
after the uh, the wild card loss. Uh, Boone said the league has closed the gap on us. Has closed the gap on us. Sorry, uh, we have to get better. We have to get better in every aspect. Just getting a little bit better. Thanks for saying the obvious, Aaron. Uh, it's not just the Red Sox and the Astros now in our league. Look at our division. The Rays are a beast, Toronto. And there's, there's some teams in the Central that are getting better and better. Teams in the West that are better and better. Teams that have closed the gap on us. Yeah, coming into this season, I guess, like we thought the AL was pretty much like closed and shut for the most part. Like you knew it was going to be us, Tampa. It was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was supposed to be us, Tampa, Chicago, and uh, and Houston pretty much vying for those spots. For the Central, you figured the Twins would play a role, and they cratered, obviously. Possibly the Twins, baby. Possibly the Cleveland baseball team, but they obviously did not have enough offensively, and after trading Lindor, those chances went down. Um, Toronto obviously was going to play a factor. Nobody expected the Sox to arrive this ahead of schedule. No one expected the Mariners to arrive this ahead of schedule. Um, Kansas City and Detroit, like, they're not contenders per se just yet, but like they're moving out of that rut. So, and the angels exist that they do. They they're do pretty exist. much a Shohei Otani barnstorming team. Yeah, he should. Well, he, he had that comment that like he, he wants to win. And uh, if I know anything, it's that angels do not equal winning. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. But when push comes to shove, I'm not here to talk about Shohei though. Um, no, going back to the issue at hand. Yeah, um, teams I have an initial to... thought actually on this comment um, as it pertains to the AL East, because obviously Boone stating the obvious that we are now contending with essentially a four team playoff contending AL East between the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that stood out to me most, particularly with this season, um, fresh in the mind is how the Yankees performed against the Orioles compared to every other team. Oh my God. In the AL East. I think there was a stat at one point towards the end of the season where the Yankees and the Rays had identical records. If you took out all of the Baltimore Orioles games, yes. which obviously when you're computing how a team finishes their season, you can't do, you have to count all of the games. <laughs> so the Yankees really need to step up against teams that they should be beating namely the Orioles, because now in the AL East, they're the only team that you can kind of say, oh, we should be winning every game every night. This is a thing that actually, like, funny enough, like watching football yesterday and watching the Giants and the Cowboys, like it's it's jarring to see the Cowboys finally play not down to their opponents, but just be like, hey, we're good. We're going to play well. Like, we're going to beat you handily. It just feels like this era of Yankees baseball is just being – like in certain circumstances, playing down to your opponent. Like they played down to the O's. They played down to the Tigers. They played down to uh, Texas for a little bit too. Well, no, Texas actually beat. But like they played down to a lot of like lesser opponents. You don't, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I would say the only team that they played consistently was the White Sox, which was odd. But the every League. other team, yeah. they kind of played worse than they were expected to. Yeah, Namely, played- the Orioles were the most jarring of the bunch. They played down to their opponents more often than not. It's very, very concerning that that happens. But like that, it's it's night and day. Looking at the like, I'm going to use a football example again. Like the Jason Garrett Cowboys, who used to play down to their opponents consistently. Like they did not look like a dominant team that they should have been. Again, maybe that obviously comes on players as well. But like getting coached up has something to do with it, at least football and i feel like baseball definitely holds true just any sport really you can play down your opponents at times and like that 
happen a lot with the Jason led Jason Garrett led Cowboys. The McCarthy Cowboys seem like they're finally playing to their standards, like how they should be, how they should look. So I don't know. It's just it feels like something not clicking internally with some of these guys. Um and it's upsetting. You're, you're right. They uh, the difference for the division, I think, honestly, came down to some of those O's games, really, or just any lesser opponent. We just couldn't beat up on them for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about beating the Orioles the way you should be beating them. You know, not having games in Baltimore come down to one or two runs, or giving up the lead in the later innings, and wow. you're talking about having the wild card game at Yankee Stadium. And if things play out exactly the same way that they did, which you can't say they can't, those John Carlo balls are out, got a whole different game, you know. So it's all about just doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I think that this Yankee season was very indicative of a roller coaster type ride where the team was not performing consistently. No, they were that was the theme of the season. It's just a roller coaster ride, and you experience the highs and we experience the lows. And man, losing to some of these bad teams were very big time lows. Getting swept by the Tigers that happened, remember? I choose not to. We got swept by Detroit at one point. Kansas City took our lunch money, like, yeah. <laughs> Judge had beef with uh, what was it? Eduardo Perez for turning that one. That was bad, yeah, like. Come on, you can't be playing down to these teams. It's just, it, it's not something inherently just feels wrong sometimes with, with these guys for the past, I don't know, but this like little boon era, I guess. Yeah. A little bit I before think, that, it happened under Girardi too, but like it's just, it's not, it doesn't look good. I think, I don't know, in my mind, as someone who's been watching the Yankees fairly faithfully since I would say like 2006, 2007 ish. Yeah, that's roughly when we started. You turn on like, Yes Network. I mean, this is when I actually got Yes Network up in New York. Mm-hmm. But you see the Yankees are playing the O's, and you're like, oh, well, this is a game that they're winning because it's the Orioles. So and you turn on a game where they're playing a lesser opponent, you just assume that they're going to put up a crooked number and be able to hold off the team in the later innings. I mean, yeah. we're talking about different team dynamics from back then, but there's obviously, yeah. expectation. Yeah, and obviously you can't predict sports, of course. Like, you know, sometimes people no, just have a bad That's why day. you play the game. That's why you play the game. No, but, like, you know, you can't fully predict it. Things like these do does happen, like do happen, losing to lesser opponents. But, like, on a consistent basis, that's concerning. No, there should be some evident truths that exist throughout your team. I mean, that's how you define what a team is built of. And one of those sh- should have been that the Yankees are a dominant bullpen that don't give up leads in the later innings. But that's just something that happened this season. And I think there was just a lot of inconsistency from the pitching. There was a lot of inconsistency from hitting from guys that should have been hitting. So, I mean, going forward, I think the Boone comments make sense, but they're just so evident that it doesn't say anything about this team. It's just a very casual fan evaluation of what we saw. Yeah. There are four good teams in a division where there can only be one winner. But this team was so inconsistent that it was impossible to say, yes, the Yankees deserve to win the AL East. Correct. It's that it didn't happen. There, there needs to be some tweaks. Uh, Adler wrote a pretty good article, as per usual. She does a great job, um, like, examining some of those issues and giving her thoughts on the matter. And, like, they, they, I do think they hold pretty true. Um, she compared and contrast us with the other three contenders um, in the division right now. Uh, for the Rays, her point was the Rays have very solid fundamentals. Like they are a very sound team. Non, like obviously they're struggling a little bit right now in the DS because I think they got a little too cute with 
some of the decisions they make being a little too rigid, perhaps, with analytics. But they do, I think, and she said it, like they do have a good blend of new school and old school approaches. They do like the hit and run. They do like to bunt occasionally. Joey Wendell's an extremely throwback, extremely good throwback player. Kiermaier gives you defense and pretty much just defense alone. The occasional, although he cooks us on offense, which is just weird. But, I mean, they're sound all around. Um, and then for us, it's like we've sacrificed defense and speed in a lot of different positions. I mean, shortstop, catcher, first base, we've sacrificed defense for a lot of upside there. Obviously, when that upside plays, you get like 2017 Gary Sanchez or 2019 Gary Sanchez. Uh, Gary Sanchez. I, Gary Sanchez. Um, Glaber, too, obviously. You know, we tried to hope that his bat would be able to carry it and you could ignore the defensive issues, of course, you know, a, a little Jeter-esque, I guess, in that regard, um, where it's like, okay, yeah, he'll do the occasional flashy play, but his defense isn't exactly stout, but he also gives us a ton of offense, so you can ignore everything else for the most part. Didn't happen. First base, uh, Voight does give you a lot offensively. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah. And then on defense, he's a net negative, so it's like you had yeah. to go with a lesser option in, offensively, I mean, in Rizzo. Rizzo was fine, obviously, but he's not going to hit, you know, 20 something home runs in a 60 game stretch. But yeah, it's just they've sacrificed a lot of that. Um, now, for the Sox, like on paper, very similar. They're a team that's not great defensively. Schwarber made that huge error last night and atoned for it with a better play, but they're playing Kyle Schwarber at first base. Like something like I've floated in my mind and works when you turn on the video games, of course, like you can just put on the show and like, Hey, he plays first base now, of course, but like in real life, a little harder, of course, tell him around Washington. <laughs> it's incredibly hard. <laughs> Future Padres manager, uh, Ron Washington there. Um, but yeah, very similar paper, the two teams. Um, they're pitching a strong course. They have Evaldi got away, of course, but um, they're, their bullpen's a little shaky, but they make up for it in other ways. They match the crap out of the ball. They have a really good offensive core. Uh, the issue, she said, the, the key difference between the two of us, it comes down to just managing. <laughs> Cora has a great feel for the game. They, like, I don't like the guy, but he's a pretty good manager tactically, um, which Boone lacks. He's got great interpersonal clubhouse skills. He keeps it loose. He didn't lose the clubhouse from all indications. They they judge and the boys like clearly do seem to like him but his tactical skills can be uh lacking at times to put it nicely i feel like dan's probably got a little more harsher assessment tactical abilities but i think there is definitely a failure from both the dugout and just hitting this season like you touched on how the red Sox are built essentially the same way as the yankees are built except they managed to actually rake. And I think that was something that separated us. And that was definitely evident in the wild card game because you had one inning of offense from the Yankees compared to a pretty consistent hitting ability from the Red Sox, where if they weren't scoring a run in the inning, they had a guy on second, the Yankees were lucky to get out of it with some adept bullpen maneuvering. So I just felt very let down by what the expectations were, how high they were, you know, preseason you had a lot of people picking the Yankees to be the World Series champion and saying well if they don't win they're going to be the team to come out of the AL because you have the Astros still reeling from the cheating scandal the Red Sox are not ready whatever it is but just a lack of performance on their part combined with what you said in Boone Boone being not as 
consistent and not as I don't know confident I guess I could say as a manager to make the same choices it all, it all comes down to feel like it yeah. just feels like he doesn't have a feel for the game like yeah. he's the bullpen decisions are hilarious sometimes because not that he necessarily brings in the wrong guy. He just doesn't know what to bring them in half the time. Um, I mean, there's always that eternal joke that he has a bullpen manual that he has notes written down of when to take guys out, when to make decisions, but it just doesn't seem like anything he does works. And that goes like, back to Girardi. Girardi had terrible bullpen management because he wouldn't move off the yeah. blender. Remember, he was buying yeah. Joe for the longest time. Like he doesn't move off. Like which guys? He, like he, that dude was rigid in who he would use and when he would use them. Like yeah, they should have. Yeah, I was more confident. Not confident. I liked more what he was doing towards the end of the season. It felt like he had a shorter leash with guys knowing. Like, I knew it was hey, crunch time. Yeah. You know, like, hey, there's a guy on. This guy has not looked good the last two innings. It's time to pull him. But, I mean, he was doing that for, like, two weeks worth. That's not consistent or good for the entire season of yeah, performance. And, and it was the same thing when, uh, you know, we had the whole COVID issue back in July where he, we were doing a lot of small ball stuff because the big guys weren't there or whatever. And it was just like, okay, it feels like you just manage now because, like, what else are you going to do? Just let him make decisions. And, like, I don't know if it's all on him, but it's like when he has everyone back, it just feels like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like, they'll hit home runs and I just don't have to really do anything. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how this works. But... I digress. Uh, to her last point, uh, the Jays, um, they're just aggressive in the zone. We saw in the cold start in Toronto, yeah. they will punish pitches in the zone. They do not, like, they probably could be a little more patient sometimes, obviously. Patience yeah. is good. Working the count, very good, because we saw that during the wildcard game. The Yanks decided to get aggressive all of a sudden. And just let Evaldi go as deep as he did for some reason. And they, I feel like they do that every October. They just decide now we're going to be aggressive in the zone and it never works out or hasn't worked out, obviously. But yeah, the Jays just punish pitches in the zone. They don't let you get away with anything. Um, the only guy that looks like he'll do that for the Yankees is Stanton because he knows like pitchers will make mistakes and he has the bat speed to get up to it, bat speed and the muscle to get up to it and just punish it. Other than that, yeah. nobody really gets aggressive in the zone. Everyone sits back, waits for their pitch, which again, not a bad strategy, but they sit on a lot of meatballs you have the whole clint frazier effect where it's just like you're looking at fastballs down the middle and it's like just swing it's yeah. your pitch it's fine you could swing at it yeah i think judge definitely had that problem last year i think you and i made a note of it a lot yeah. where yeah. he would be getting first second pitch fastballs or off speed right down the middle and he would just be looking at it uh for whatever reason that he was doing it i think this season he was jumping on stuff a little bit more he looked a lot more like just balanced and like his approach. Like he definitely sat back on pitches that like he knew he couldn't get. He didn't, I don't think he chased as much as like no. he did in the past, you know, that low and out low and away slider. He used to love just chase. He loves chasing that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look at his chase right as I can find it. But yeah, he, uh, he just looked a lot more comfortable at the plate. Looked a lot more like, you know, 2017 judge, I guess, for lack of a better comparison, just like it, just was ready to go. He'll punish mistakes when he needs to, but that's it. But yeah, I don't know. The offensive philosophy is definitely something that's been debated constantly, whether or not you want Tim's and Pillateri back. Um, remains to see if they'll be back. Uh, apparently yeah. a lot of the assistant coaches outside of Matt Blake and I think Harkey 
and Tanner Swanson are on expiring contracts. So expect the pitching staff to obviously be back. And they should be because they did a great job with the staff this year. Um, but yeah, the offensive philosophy could use a little bit of a shakeup. Yeah. Not could it definitely it it needs a shakeup. There needs to be I guess, I don't know that not even a launch angle or whatever whatever else have you like that I think is always just going to stay now. But it's whether being patient in the zone or chasing after pitches or just getting aggressive with some counts like that needs to be addressed. I think, and it's top to bottom. It's not just at the major league level. I feel like that's something that just organizationally wide. That's just been a thing for every minor leaguer that's come up over the past few years. Yeah. I think having a new mindset would definitely help, especially considering this was a down season offensively. I mean, we can look back in the recent past of the Yankees being a team that was chasing and eclipsed the record for home runs in a season. Granted it was bouncy balls, but there was just something different offensively about those teams where they were getting pitches that they wanted and swinging at them and making a decision to go after them rather than just letting them pass by and say, well, there'll be another one right after this. Yeah. It just like, they knew they couldn't miss. And now that like their backs are against the wall, they're kind of just caught with their pants down. They're like, Oh no. Because no, you're definitely making a point with the caught with the pants down thing. Cause we saw that in the wildcard game versus the Red Sox where there were a lot of first pitch swinging, making contact, but hitting, of pop-up or a fly ball to the shallow outfield where it wasn't doing anything offensively, but it kind of had a mindset of, Oh, I need to do something now because if I don't, I'm going to be behind in the count and you know, that'll be it for me. So it's about finding that happy medium between swinging first pitch, regardless of what you're getting and just watching three changeups go by. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, like changing Tim's and, you know, just the philosophy, like all over the place is going to imagine is going to magically improve everything. It's up to the players too. They have to implement this as well and be up to the test to to do so. But it would be nice to just get, just to get new voices around to see like, what can we improve on? Like offensively feel it it feels like pitching. This was another thing that's been rumored too, is that the Yankees, uh, if you had read the New York Post article, uh, Sherman, who we don't like here, but he interviewed Michael Fish from the assistant GM of the Yankees and I think their head of analytics um, back in the middle of the season. I don't know if you remember this article. It was the one where he like kind of talked about how the Yankees are behind analytically. They don't really look for new yeah. trends. They just try to catch up to everyone else and just like, oh, we can do this now and we can do it because we're the Yankees, which yeah, doesn't feel like the right practice. At no, all. I, it's because they just want to. I don't. I don't even know what they want to do. I don't know either. Honest. But it's like you can't just like again catching up to trends. Obviously, is one thing, but like you have to find new trends too. Yeah, you have to see what's next. Like launch angle, exit velo, like the days of all that. Like it, they're cool. They're we're here, but like what happens after this? Like where do we go next? Does it go backwards where it's like the we're bunting and like the suicide squeeze and. Hit and run I think they're close to that based on hitting it against the shift. Gallo's case in point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If you, I mean, if he did that every at-bat, I'm a fan of that. He'd be, out. He'd be a 300-er. Yeah. Because then they'd just stop shifting on him and he'd be able to hit dingers. <laughs> I think that's what people wanted them to do when the shift started happening more and more. They're like, oh, just bun against it. And Yeah, I do. Like... <sighs> Listen, that's a different conversation. I know. You know me. I'm the analytics guy. Yeah. But like, I do see the merit to that because it's just like, okay, if you bunt more and like, let's say you do get these bunts down to bunt yeah. against the shift, eventually they're going to have to stop shifting on you. And then you can wait for your actual pitch so you yeah. can drive it. Yeah. 
it's simple like it cause makes and sense but i i just it's cause and effect like i don't understand like again obviously there's always going to be things that are going to change where you can't be where you're not able to do that but it just it doesn't make sense to me that like people dismiss that i mean like oh it's a dumb idea it's like if you do it enough eventually yeah. something good will come out of it right like that, i think the yankees initially started their battle against the shift by saying oh well if i can't hit a line drive for a single up the middle or you know deep to second base i'm just gonna hit the ball out of the ballpark and which is fine it's fun but no longer working no that's the issue um yeah so i think the, there should be something changed from an organizational level like you said i think tens should be gone just because they should do something else yeah it's not uh, gonna know. get fixed overnight like i know the no. offense is magically gonna get better because they got a new hitting coach like that i think everyone knows same thing when they fired rothschild the pitching wasn't magically gonna get better it, it it's gotten there now thankfully yeah. but like I think the Yankees discovered time. two things this season that is going to help them immensely going forward. One of them, incredibly obvious, but that lefties bat much better at Yankee Stadium than righties do because of the short porch. And right. I think capitalizing on that idea, you know, maybe you don't keep Rizzo, but you start implementing more lefties into the offense. It's going to help greater at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, you're still going to have Gallo next year unless something bad happens. Not bad, but you know they trade him or whatnot, which I don't expect them to. But um, getting more lefties into the lineup, which will give you more opportunities to hit the ball into the short porch, which we saw with that Gallo like three hundred foot tall pop up that landed in the seats. You know, yeah, giving yourself the opportunity to do more of that. And then secondly, which I think was more important that Boone should have realized a long time ago that you and I talked about was that John Carlos Stanton needs to be playing the field more often than being an everyday designated hitter. It gets him loose. Yeah, gets him loose physically. He's less prone to just pulling something while running the bases, which seemed to be a big issue whenever he slid in, he would hurt his calf. Yeah. Um, but allowing him to play the field is going to open up that designated hitter position, which means you can have, you could retain a guy like Gary if it's not Gary, where, you know, maybe he's not playing the field, but you get a power bat in the lineup. And then you're going to have Stanton in the outfield, keeping him loose, which will keep him off the injured list, which we saw this year. It's just little things like that, that they just need yeah. to pay more attention to, or just like consider when they make these decisions, I guess. And it just feels like they're not, they feel like they're the smart people in the room and their way is just like, I mean, everyone's going to feel like that, of course, but like, I don't know, just whatever they're doing isn't working. I want to look at the Fisherman quotes again. Cause like some of them were like, they probably do ring a little true. Yeah. You know, people were kind of downplaying them just a bit. They were like, okay, like, like uh, they were a little too, uh, you know, maybe a little too harsh or whatever, but there are some things that do make a lot of sense. Like, hang on, let me see if I could pull up this article. Great radio again. Great. Fantastic radio. Fantastic. Uh, Joel Sherman's infamous interview. There it is. Analytics blast here. Okay, shut up, Sherman. Um, they've underachieved. I hate Sherman so much, man. He does do relatively good reporting when he's reporting, reporting, not giving his opinion because that yeah. he just hates. Never mind. Um, um, how Storm Runner, when it comes to process, is not by the input of more traditional scouting types, same as ever in a mix of analytics. Okay. A lot of talk that analytics makes the lineups. So Boone makes the lineups. Um, Sorry, guys. This is again terrible radio. I'm just looking for like quotes that like make sense. 
Sherman's kind of giving his own opinion on like the matter because he thinks that like the Yankees are a little too rigid in the way they do they approach things and they are just kind of beholden to analytics, which I do think is kind of true. I feel like they think that their way is the best way to do it. Yeah, but it's clearly not based on really not. the last few years of results. Yeah, going off of that, there was a daily news article that came out the other day that kind of spoke a little bit like as a follow-up piece. It's not a direct follow-up piece, but it kind of speaks as like a companion piece to the Sherman article where it's just like how should give Cashman an, an ultimatum basically. Yeah. That's not the point per se that I'm trying to make. It's just like, he needs to make cash, take a look or just ask the question that uh, was positive was just like, why are the Rays lapping us and everything that we do? Like, why, why are they getting better than us when they have less resources, less this, less that less um, stadium. I mean, yeah, basically no, they have more stadium. Yeah. Two stadiums. Oh yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> They're international, international Mr. Worldwide. Um, yeah, why are they lapping us in a lot of the practices as they do when we're the Yankees? Like, what is wrong? Like, do they need a new analytics staff? Do they need different inputs? Like, they, they really, I think it comes down to just like thinking outside the box instead of just being like, hey, we played catch up to everybody. Like, here we are. Like, that yeah. works only so much. It, it worked for the Moneyball era when people, when richer teams started to in, in, uh, accept sabermetrics in the first place the, is there a european ambulance outside your house uh yes it appears the the, the, the air raids are coming <laughs> yeah that's the jesus that's christ the, it's jason Bourne. it's the 6 p.m fire alarm outside uh oh. the fire department sorry about that um <laughs> <laughs> the germans are coming oh god <laughs> um no. yeah it's about finding that medium where you're not having roster turnover like the rays have but also making sure that you know you're staying with the long ball thing that the yankees love to do because i don't think they're ever going to get away from that i think it's too ingrained that's in the fabric fine of the yankees. balance it out though because i don't yes. need 20 dudes who hit home runs it was fun a couple years ago when that it was, was fun like, when the ball actually went that way yeah the, the ball's dead again and yeah. it's not happening anymore. So yeah. you need to find a good mix of other people. It was cool for a couple of years. It made sense. 2019 probably was the last chance we we really had gotten. And sadly, of course, pitching broke down as per usual. But yeah, I uh, I don't know. And I do agree with other philosophies too, where it's just like use your financial resources, like flex a little bit instead of yeah. just like going for scrappy guys. They work occasionally. Like Geo's a great find. Voight was a great find. Talking for the one year, also fantastic. Use your resources. Spend some money, please. Just get the pieces you need. Holy crap. It should not be this hard. Like, we don't need to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like, I'm not telling you to go out and sign. I mean, you could if you wanted to. To <laughs> sign Machado and Harper in one full That'd be cool. Season. That'd be pretty cool. You should do it. It would be cool. But I'm not, t- we're not, I'm not even trying to tell you to, like, sign, like, okay, like, Machado and Harper when they were able to, like, sign both of them because we're the Yankees. Even though it would be let me, really cool. Let me put a picture in your mind that I think will get you all jazzed up about the direction that Brian Cashman is going to be taking this team. Oh, no. 2026. Oh, God. You walk into Yankee Stadium. You're, all, you're feeling old because we're both – we're going to be practically dead at that point. Walk into Yankee Stadium. And then who shuffles into that batter's box? Juan Soto. <laughs> that's what this is all about baby it's about yeah. the long game love, love the nats baby love the nats um yeah people are really on the soto to new york train at some point um, it's because what we it's what we love to do we love to wait till these guys become unrestricted free agents take them to yankee stadium throw up that little graphic of them in the pinstripes like wow wow look at it patrick corbin look at that <laughs> no 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 no. that was pretty sick oh look at these pictures of machado leaving through the back gate at yankee stadium <laughs> 
and then not giving them offers because that's pretty dope. Ryan Cash has been the biggest tease in the last, I don't know, five years or so. Yeah. Listen, he's he's done good jobs of unearthing some gems, definitely for offensive pieces. Pitching has obviously been a little lacking. Tyone might be the first guy that actually he's hit on in terms of like reclamation projects, like guys, we can unearth something else with them. Yeah. The hope is still there. At least he's got another season. Hopefully he finished after finishing the season on a strong note, like maybe he'll be that guy. Maybe, but Monty, Tyone, love it. Get Sevy back in there. You still need other. I, I feel like they need a starter from something, but we'll get there folks. There should be options. Again, I do think there'll be options. I do think there's a trade to be had. There's a heist to be had. There should this should be the offseason that he does something because it's like your backs are up against the wall. You have one year left in that unless he gets unless they announce an extension and I'm coming with something like that. You have one year left on your deal. Assuming the same thing happens with Boone, where you gotta just bring them back for one more year and then assess after 2022. You guys have one year left together at this point. Yeah. It does feel like Boone's coming back. They should be married contract-wise as kind of like this old guard of the Yankees, you know, they are Ashman, the GM of the old times Boone, who everyone loves seeing that highlight of him hitting a home run that technically didn't really do anything because they lost the world series. We don't have to know about that. We don't have to go further. Uh, Don't, don't, don't do it. Yeah. So, Um, but yeah, they should be tied together. Cashman or Boone was Cashman's hire in the first place. Cashman now has been tied to the team for a while. The two of them are intrinsically linked right now. Yeah. In no shape or form should they decide, okay, we're going to bring in a new GM, but you have to keep on Boone. Yeah. And I don't think Cashman should get another crack at a, another managerial hire. He's only made two, Girardi and Boone. One World Series to show between the two of them so far. Pretty good. Yeah, not great. Loving it. Yeah, in the past, what, 15 years, right? He's made two hires. That's yeah. it, right? Because Tory was not technically his. No. That was Bob Watson or Gene Michael at the time, I believe. So that obviously he's working with three, he's worked with three managers. Two of them have been his. But yes. Rarely does it ever happen in any sport where a GM has cracks at multiple coaching hires, like like two, two or like more than two. Yeah, usually get two, and that's it. And sometimes the the first guy is just a retainer from the original, so like your your predecessor. So, yeah, I don't. I think the two of them should be linked. You have one more year. You need to shake something up at least to give yourself some sort of breathing room. Like, hey, these are all the cards on the table. We didn't really. We thought we had what we had with the last team. Maybe we needed a recess. We're all in for the season make a couple different changes here and there trade void trade clint well clint feels like he's gone another way trade biggie obviously these guys don't have the greatest of values but like maybe you can get something if you cobble them all together in a package trade a prospect if you really have to peraza is really good pinch valley ran an article today that maybe he should be a little expendable though because if you really believe in volpe that much it's like yes you're always going to need middle infield depth but the yankees do excel at producing middle infield depth it's okay if you trade one of these guys. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you're competing next season, you have to be all in. Nobody should be off the table except the Martian. But yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. They do need some new things around here because yeah. you're taking a look at Yankee Stadium. And you're like, damn, you really live like this. But damn, <laughs> damn, you really got a Hard Rock Cafe in this bitch. I'll get the kids. Damn, you really got a turtle in here? <laughs> hey, the George Steinbrenner Petting Zoo is coming next season. Don't worry. When did they build the Reese's factory in uh, Fenway Park? Oh, my God. No, you put a disclaimer right now. So That's no a joke. That's a joke. I'm it's sorry. Joke, I'm so sorry. I, didn't I love candy. Oh, my God. 
it's an inside joke, but yeah, apparently like they do Reese's peanut Reese's as the New Englanders like to call it, um, like rally cups or something like that. I had no idea that was a thing. Had a big to do with a friend of mine. Which... I think it's just that dude. I don't think it's a full thing. I think it's just that one guy. No, he speaks for all of them, Dan. He, do you not know he's on one of the most premier Boston sports podcasts ever to, to ever exist? Oh, right? God. It's the new mixtape. The new mixtape. God, so dumb. Fan created superstitions and stuff like that, I think, are the like you were telling saying this, but like they're just dumb. <laughs> I think it's fun on a personal level, but once it elevates to everyone needs to be behind this or you're not a real fan or you're a hater, I'm tired of it. Uh, washed, absolutely washed. Like, washed. like Al Gore's internet was a bad idea. I mean, it was, yeah. You had to be fully behind Ellie Schnitt, uh, live tweeting uh, Yankees games, or else you weren't a real fan, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, we're just taking pot shots at different people who will never talk to us. So this is fun. Cut all, um, the, cut all the audio. Cut all the audio. Yeah, this this whole thing is getting scrapped. Um, but yeah, we're, we have no news whether or not they'll officially be back. But the winds are obviously blowing that way. People thought it's a little weird they haven't done their end of the season recap yet. I generally think they're probably just going to wait around, maybe talk to Boone a little bit, be like, "Hey, like, we're not going to offer you the full." you know, like three, four year deal that you're looking for just yet. We'll bring you back for one more, maybe give you a contract option for the second year after that. And we'll talk because unless they really are giving extensions, in which case you will definitely get a press conference sooner rather than later. But I really think, I mean, every beat writer has said the winds are blowing towards them coming back. I don't think a single soul has said, oh, I'm hearing rumblings of discontent in the front office or anything like that. So only had some like Buster only had something very brief on the K show where he said the front office is a little divided on like who should be in charge and and whatnot. But like that's just usual like company discontent and Hal's going to take whatever Catherine says into account. So I feel like Boone comes back at least for another season. Yeah. So don't expect a managerial change just yet. Yeah. It's not great. But and what the Yankees haven't had a midseason coach firing since the early 90s. So if you get him back for a year, you're getting the full year. Yeah, you are. There's no way unless it's very below, like super below expectations. Like you finish, you start out the gate and you come into that also break and you're 20 games below 500 or something like that, which yeah, you never know what you're going to get. But if that's the case, then but if you go on a 13 game run, baby. Oh, yeah. God. Looking at the month by month standing, like records for us is actually hilarious when you when you look at the full season in scope. Yeah, this season was dead in the water as of July fourth. Yeah, we were not. That was a terrible weekend. Yeah, it was pretty good, but like personally, but like sports wise, terrible. <laughs> I was thriving by myself. I didn't need sports. I didn't. I was fine. My mental my mental health was as sharp as ever. Um, but yeah, expect boom back. Expect cash back at the bare minimum. Coaching changes, I think, are definitely coming. They're definitely going to probably take take a hard look at some of these guys. They're on expiring contracts anyway, so they wouldn't be fired. They'd just be let go. Yeah, I think at most they're just going to, going back to the whole no postseason interviews have been given yet, I bet they're just going over philosophies for next season, you know, how much Boone's going to get into the analytics part of it, anything he can do to change up these bullpen falterings, and then they're going to be like, all right, we're good to go. Yeah, that's it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Um, yeah, we're not going to give you, like, I, I thought about it, but we're not going to give you a list of, like, managerial targets or anything like that. I, we did a little bit during the hot take segments last time, but, like, yeah, there's nobody really that would be on the list right now. Although, yeah, unless can... you want Buck Walter. No, I don't think so. I don't think anyone should want that. 
but <laughs> would you want a retread? Like, would you no. actively want? No, unless it's Joe Tory, baby. Get me Paul Sorvino <laughs> in that dugout. Oh, hell yeah. I don't even want that. It's just, I don't think the old head managerial stuff works on. Okay. It works for some teams like the White Sox and the Astros because those are teams that fundamentally are going to perform regardless of who is captaining the ship, especially okay. given their divisions. Right. Like you're talking about the White Sox, who I'm pretty sure had a very similar record to the Yankees and ended up in first place by a lot. Yeah, they were identical. Cause, yeah, because most of their feasting is coming on teams that aren't going to sniff the playoffs. Same thing with the Astros. I mean, you're taking into account the A's and the Mariners who they Astros were able to just beat up against, and you have the Angels who are faltering along with the Rangers. But right. in this four-team playoff contending AL East, you're going to have to have someone who's actually making the decisions. You can't have someone like 77-year-old Tony La Russa basically wobbling his way to the mound to make a change for the Yankees. You're going to need someone who's actually – got some livelihood behind them so i just don't think that old school non-analytics way works i wouldn't yeah and i wouldn't necessarily get someone who doesn't have any experience but like you have to find just that the i'm gonna hate myself for this but like the girardis of the world or the joe maddens of the world who are like they're old but they've obviously embraced like the new yeah. In a sense, you know, they've had experience. Like Gabe Kapler, honestly, like Kapler got the shot again in San Fran and he was like a huge analytics head, but he did it to a fault in Philly and that's why he got axed. But now he's got more of a feel for the game. He's more in control of like what he knows. He knows what to do. And it worked phenomenally, obviously, for the Giants. He's probably going to win manager of the year for the NL. So like that type of manager cut from that type of cloth, like a retread. Yeah. But I think the Showalter, La Russa retreads are all just... Here's a dude who loves hitting, loves the eye test. You know, yeah. let's see what we got. But big believer, the, batting average. Yeah, <laughs> wins are a good pitching stat. Oh God, yeah, no, that's definitely that's how I got Tony Larusa views the world. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah they they need someone that's not going to be like, all right, boys, go out there and do it. So, I the. Person that made sense for me, like when we were talking about this, like in the middle of the season, was uh, Mattingly as like a retread because he's still young. Yeah, but uh, Miami locked him up. He does have yeah. someone on his staff who would be of interest to me. I'm not gonna throw out a name, but like there are a couple guys, like uh, like different guys who have had managerial experience, but like kind of newish, a little oldish, who would be that nice middle ground. I think. Um, yeah, but we'll see. There's a lot of like different guys around the league. Like if there were, if they were to go that route who would be of interest. I don't, I'm with Dan where I don't think they should go with a complete old head, but I also don't think they should be like, Hey, take a rod out of the booth and make a manager. Like, a Oh lot God, of- no. <laughs> Listen. All right. I, I have a concession on that. I would allow a rod to be manager. If we got a pay-per-view fight of him versus Gallo for the number 13. Oh, he would win easily. You know that, right? Yeah. You know, furious. He sounded so mad on that broadcast that Gallo was wearing 13. If that happens, I'll let Arod coach this team for as long as he wants. That has to be the graphic. You have to make uh, Wilder and Fury, but with Arod and uh, <laughs> oh god, Gallo, <laughs> just to let the people know. Yeah, I um, feel like Arod's going to say, "I can't go back to baseball. I'm spending all my time owning the Timberwolves." Like that actually takes any brain power to do. But yeah, I, it was a 
fun like novel take i think like back in 2017 when they were doing the first time around because again managers with no experience or like minimal experience like that were kind of the rage obviously and boone was case in point alex cora was hired beltron obviously got the mets job then things happen of course some people do want beltron this time around too um he feels more of a Mets guy at this point, given that he already was signed up with them. Yeah. Lost his job, obviously, due to the cheating thing. But yeah, I, I think he goes back there, if anything. Probably not with the Yankees, but I, 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 I digress. Even, I don't even think the Mets are going back to him, to be honest, just based on how this has all been shaking out. I could see it. They might get Bob Melvin. If they can have their way, they might get like at least Bob Melvin. You could have so, it Mets way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't agree that it should it should be a retread, nor do I agree it should be like a brand new novel guy. It's got to be like an old, old retread. It should not be someone ancient. It should not be Buckshaw Walter. It shouldn't be Ron Washington. It's It's got to be at least someone who's managed with them the past like few years and, and, and knows the, the way the game is played now, I guess. But we'll see. Maybe we'll tweet out a list of like guys who we think or something like that. Like there are some ideas yeah, so rumbling around. All this means is that... Dave and I do not have the answers, but you know who should have the answers? The Yankees. Love the Yankees. That's not our job. No, thank God you don't get paid to make these decisions. Like, they're nerve-wracking. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll get back to you at some point with some other stuff, some quick hits. Hey, listen, we've done three pods in two weeks, man. We are crushing. We kind of are. I got the feel for it now. Maybe we'll try to do some weekly releases because we have we have a little quick hits here and there. Yeah. Um. You know, you know, maybe every other week or something like that. Again, we're on no consistent schedule whatsoever. You guys just gotten episodes here and there, but maybe we'll try to get into a habit or something because we had some free time and whatnot. But yeah, um, hopefully there's some news at least on the whole coaching and general manager stuff in the near future. That's the hope. <laughs> just want to win, baby. Just want to win. Or we could just trade everything for Billy Bean and Bob Melvin, right? Yeah, that's that was the plan. No legal issues at all, right? Then, uh... <laughs> no problems there. Love Ken Rosenthal. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. See ya.